Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CCC podcast. We are all here. All of us. Everyone's here today. And we're ready to go. We're all ready. We had to stop talking about what we're going to talk about in order to get to the opening of this because I think we're kind of excited. We may have already said everything we need to say. I I hope we can remember it. Sure. Sometimes the pre-conversation is better than the conversation. Yes. Or or the or conversation not. will be more focused now, and <laughs> y'all will get a version you actually like, not the 20 minutes we spent rambling. Maybe y'all get like a two-minute answer, and you'll be That's very right. happy with it. That's yes. right. As an extrovert, I enjoy the rambling part because it helps me clarify. Yes. Mm. I don't. It doesn't bother me that we went places yes. on the way. <laughs> we will see how clear we are on this. And uh, so let's get right to it. We have a couple of submitted questions from our listeners, and uh, I really hope that this first one is listening because I'm excited to answer this question. It's one that I love to help clear up for people, and I can certainly tell that this question came from a from a really uh, sincere place from this person. So I'll just go ahead and read it, and we'll get after it. Why didn't the New Testament writers speak out against slavery? I'm a black man, and this has been a problem for me in reading my Bible. Hmm. I come to really love Jesus. I have come to really love Jesus, and slavery seems so incompatible with the way of Jesus. Why didn't they just say, stop it? (laughs) You're right. Slavery is incompatible with the way of Jesus. That so you are it, correct that, on. That in and of itself should be yes. uh, stated. And it should also be stated uh, that probably part of the reason that this is hard for you to read in your Bible is because of the way people have used the Bible mm. and used Christianity to prop up slavery, not just in our lifetime, but just yeah. uh, but throughout um, American history and, and Western history. And so uh, when I say used, I do not mean anybody was actually following Jesus when they used it. Mm. What I mean is uh, people have been able to twist it and to make it mean what they want to mean. So first, I completely understand that this is coming from, especially for any person of color, uh, to, to read that. So I can understand why this would be a stumbling block in, yes. um, in that case. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Yeah. In fact, it's really hard in the South and lifelong Southerner to, and there's a church you and I were just talking about very near here that you can still see the remnants. The church is old enough where mm. there were slaves on one side of the congregation yeah, and is. white people on the other side of the congregation, and the pulpit was in the middle, but there was a, there was literally a dividing, a dividing wall. wall down the middle of this church so that they couldn't see each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard for us to look at that and not see, wow, how <laughs> antithetical to... Yeah. I don't even know how you read the scripture where it says, and the dividing wall has been torn down when you're preaching looking at a dividing wall right exactly so i'm guessing you just don't say those things you just don't don't say those things and so the part there's so much that i think in my mind goes into it i mean i could talk about the inspiration of scripture i believe that scriptures are inspired but i don't think i think we don't always agree on what they mean so i don't believe I don't believe the full revelation of God. I think God is pointing us places and the writers of scripture are fully inspired when they're writing it. But God is, God is at work through what is happening in the culture at the time and leading us somewhere all the way through it. Yes. The full revelation of God, as we said again and again, is Jesus. So 
this brother who says to us, I love Jesus, and I, it doesn't seem right to the way of Jesus. That's right, mm-hmm. and everybody should be able to see that. Unfortunately, even, and I'm not, you know, and if I, when we get to heaven, Paul sits me down and goes, dude, that was just wrong. You shouldn't have <laughs> taken a shot at me. It's, I just know how hard it is when you're in a culture and your whole life has been in a culture, you can see the movement that needs to take place, but you don't know how to get there in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're moving people there. So, uh, for instance, I think Paul clearly sees the way of Jesus is that, because you can read it all through there's no, neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, all of those kind of things. He says that in a book. Uh, and he says it in different ways, a couple of different, not just in Galatians where that's mm-hmm. from. He says again in other places with a slightly different wording. Mm-hmm. And in the same book then gives instructions to masters yeah. and to their slaves mm-hmm. not to reinstitute slavery, but to begin moving mm. to right. a place. Yes. And then you get all the way, which I think is near the end of his life, and you read Philemon, which is a book mm-hmm. to a slave owner, as he's trying to reinstitute, a, he makes a runaway slave go back, and he says to this, this is no longer your slave. This is your brother. Yeah. Right. He's, he is in that book with that one instance tearing down the institution of slavery. Yeah. And we talked about before we hit record that many of us come to the Bible and we read it, and we want, we want the writers to just make one big institutional overarching statement, right. a new theology in every moment. But what we forget is what we're reading is a personal letter yes. to either a person or to just a small group of people. And so, and I use this example when we, when we were talking, there, there are times when I'm speaking to my discipleship group and I speak out against things, but I don't speak out against the institution of it. For example, my guys and I have talked about the evil of pornography in our own lives and how we want to be done with that personally. But I've never sat around and talked to them about abolishing the overarching institution of pornography because that's not within our power to do. No, and honestly, you and I both know that if you four guys could somehow eradicate the problem of pornography, what pornography has raised up in your hearts, mm. the lust that has to be dealt with yes. isn't going to be solved no. by getting rid of an institution. Yes. So you're in a discipling moment dealing with the personal issue. Mm-hmm. You're hoping if we could all personally work in individual lives, there'd be no more need for Pornography has to be cut off at that's at the hurt. demand end, sure. not at the source end. Sure. Right. So, we're not, we're yeah. not going to end it at the source end. Yeah. It's only there because people want it. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a huge mm-hmm. demand for it. Yeah. So, you know, I think Paul's trying to work on what he can work on. The other writers of Scripture are. I feel the same way about women. They elevate this role of women in their culture in many ways. I, too, wish there were clear statements of, Men and women are equal in value. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, I get why it's struggle for women, for people of color have been oppressed by things that people have used in the Bible against mm-hmm. them. But it is not the way of Jesus. And I would also say to our our brother who wrote the question, to many many of the words that we read in Scripture create an imagination within our own minds mm-hmm. that it did not create in the original readers of the Scripture. And one of those words is the word slavery. When they said slavery, their system that they were speaking into was not a race-based system. Mm-hmm. It was an economic system, mm-hmm. not what we often think about. 
it both I would say both just as evil. But oh yeah. For them, that wasn't that wasn't on their radar at that point. No, it was more you know if I owe Jason money and over time I can't pay for it. The system was, I would say to Jason, okay, you own me, you own me for, for a, a certain amount of time until mm-hmm. I have paid my debt to you. Mm-hmm. And you even see that in the Old Testament, that God, even in the Old Testament, is limiting it, that what he says to the Israelites, I don't care what is kind of stupid debt you make, it can't be more than seven years of owning yeah, a person. that's right. You know. All debts what, were canceled. Yeah, so all debts are canceled at the end of seven years, and you have to, you have to give that person their release. If you were dumb enough to make a... A, a loan that they can't pay repay in seven years. Well, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and and to and to be also very very clear, um, it was, I, I, and I, and again acknowledging the question, there are parts of scripture that do come across as wait a minute, and it makes it hard for this person to read. However, let's don't forget that the. Um, the thrust that really did eliminate the race-based slavery within our country came from Christ followers mm-hmm. following the lead of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. They saw that very clearly when they read the scriptures. So um, there must there there it's there. Oh, you know obviously, what I'm yeah, yeah. I think anybody who who comes to the scriptures wanting to find Jesus, which it seems like y- you have, you're wanting to find yeah. Jesus in this, and anything you see that doesn't line up with Jesus. And you bring it back to Jesus, um, as as you already as Ed already said, Jesus is the divine revelation of who God is. Jesus is the ultimate uh, picture of who God is. And so, anything that we see, and we see other things in Scripture, we go, hmm, man, that doesn't seem like Jesus. It may be that we either have a bad picture of Jesus, or we have a bad picture of what this this writer is trying to say. And so, I think. Followers of Jesus who consistently bring Jesus to the forefront of their minds in this have often been the people that even in the midst of cultures where people are misusing scriptures, mm. uh, go at the problem from a Jesus perspective. And yeah. so, I, yeah, I would just commend you on that, that you're, you're sticking with Jesus in the midst of all this because it is, it, is, it is troublesome. And I think the beauty to me of every time I come back to the scriptures, what I see is these are men and women in a context trying to bring God, the kingdom of God, into their context at their time in the way they can. And so these are men and women who don't live in a democratic republic where they could, their voice means anything. And so it's, so, you know, you even bring up the issue of like pornography. If enough people really in our country said, this is a problem and we're going to deal with it, we could get rid of an institution. We could go out of problem. I mean, that is what people in our country right now are doing in the racial problems that we have going on with things like mass incarceration, right? Yeah. And policing and all the different things going on. There are people going, I see a problem here. And, and a lot of Christ followers mm-hmm. jump in and say, this does not line up with the kingdom of God. And we have a voice to do something. So we might write books that say, stop it. Yes. End it. This is done. But in their culture, he's writing to a specific person. And so when you say the thing of why don't they just come out and say, stop it, Philemon, maybe Paul stops just short of saying the word stop slavery. What he, what he is effectively saying to Philemon about his uh, runaway slave Onesimus, as he says, 
accept him as a brother by saying, don't accept him as a slave. Mm, that, right. that, yes. that institution between the two of you is done. Yes. Yeah, but it he, does not exist in the church. In the church. Right. No. He's saying right. there's this new kingdom that exists, and that is political. Mm. He's saying the way that we interact with one another has distinctively changed since Jesus. So slavery is antithetical to that. And in their relationships, they were trying to change that in the communities where they had influence and they had sway. Uh, so they didn't have this idea of writing a book that then would be held up for the next 2,000 years. They were, as you, as you mentioned and, and, and Ed already mentioned as well, they were writing personal letters to one another about how we should handle it. So mm. once again, I think we all would say we totally understand where the hang-up is and, and why it's so emotional. And I don't even know that this answer is going to deal with all the emotions around it, but hopefully it helps you resolve a little bit yeah. of how these followers of Jesus in their context were trying to deal with the same problems that honestly, very similar to the ones we are, which come down to human dignity mm. The, the 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 value of a person because yes. uh, even though it wasn't racial it still comes to human dignity this person mm-hmm. has value they're made in the image of god in their time there was no one who had ever said anything like that yes, yes. and it's but and it's hard not to see that what you say that what jason said earlier all the kernels that would eventually do away with that kind of slavery slavery still exists in the world it's sure. typically around the institution of pornography these days oh that, that's where it is that's where it is now yeah. uh, but the things that would do away with it in the way that we all have now know is slavery being done with that started with the church mm-hmm. all the kernels that would disrupt absolutely. that around absolutely. the world there is no other place that that started and it started at that day and it began i mean that was the first place where slaves and free people actually existed in the same community. Mm-hmm. They didn't associate in mm-hmm. the same community. Yeah. And in some places, slaves would be elders in the church, and the other people would be new converts. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have records of that from the early church. It didn't exist, and that began to unravel the institution. Yeah. Yes. But it this is on a whole so brother i just say to you man keep leaning into jesus 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 is the way he is the truth he's the life he is the true revelation of god and you're right he this was not on him so i say that now on to something else i want to say (laughs) that i think often we get and we we've talked about this with the book of revelation we've said it in roundabout ways about other times when people ask us bible questions I think we have a hard time dealing with the Bible we have, not the Bible we wish we had. Yeah. And a lot of us wish we had a book that instead of being arranged in these little letters was somehow indexed under, if you want to know how to handle your 15-year-old kid, (laughs) here's where it says that. And if you want to know how to deal with a boss who has this kind of setup, Here's where you turn. Mm. We're looking for some kind of systematic way to understand the way of God, and that's not the Bible God has chosen to give us. I believe we have the book God wants us to have. Yeah. And so I have to then go, what I want the book to be is not what God wanted the book to be. Mm. Right. So I have to then deal with what it is and begin to recognize there's enough principles in here for me to answer all of those questions sure. if I am willing to not just want somebody to cut and dry answer everything mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I mean, 
we should have been able to do away with slavery with Jesus saying, hey, love God <laughs> and then really love people. Yeah. That should have, should done, have done it. it. Now, yeah. it won't end it in society because not everybody in the Roman Empire was following Jesus. Right. Actually, a tiny little percentage was. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. they have to write these personal letters. The other thing is I think we look at these personal letters and we immediately, because they, we can tell their letters, we want them to be to us. Mm. But they aren't to you. Mm-hmm. God is intended them for you. For you, not to you. But they aren't to you. Yeah. And so you have to read them who they were to, what's taking place in that culture. And and as I've heard, you know, our our friend Annie Stanley say before, it, once Jesus said, love as I have loved you, everything that comes after that is an attempt to try and get that yes. into everybody's heart. Mm-hmm. And, to, and, to com- and it's basically commentary on that yes. one command and trying to get it down into the church. And we've been doing it for 2,000 years. Exactly right. So, And it be- happens best, like you described in your discipleship thing. It is a one-on-one where I sit with a person who's trying genuinely to learn, like our brother was in that question, and saying, hey, Jesus is the way. Here's the things he said that matter. What does love require of you in this relationship? Yeah. Do you, what does love require? Not what does your politics allow? Mm. Not what does your culture accept? What does love require you to do in this relationship? Well, and I think when you were talking earlier, too, about one thing that we often miss um, about the Bible is that the whole thing is a story and it's not like often, and this was often the way it was teaching me. Like this is, the, I remember, I remember being at camps. I'm sure you guys had the same thing where someone would come up and go, "This is the rule book for life. Yeah. It's the map for your life." And I thought, "This ain't telling me anywhere. <laughs> there, there are maps in here, but there they aren't no, very. Ha- there are no dating rules when no. you're a teenager. Yeah, you're looking for the dating rules, and right. they do not exist in that book. Mm. But it's a story <laughs> that goes from, as you said, the, the the whole book, even even the Old Testament parts are a story that are all pointing towards Jesus. And as you just said, everything that after is pointing you back towards Jesus. It all is this, it is this story of in this particular context, that's the part that I think is really hard for us. And I'll just say as Americans, it's hard for us that we're not in the context. Mm-hmm. Everything in our life is, but we're the center of the world. Yeah. You look at any map, we're the center of the map. Everything's about America. Jesus didn't bleed red, white, and blue. Like there's this whole, like, there's this whole we're not the center of that. It really is this little, this nation of Israel is the, the he begins this with a family. And then he, it's a nation that in that Jesus comes into that context and says, I'm fulfilling all of this. So all the stuff you just said about the principle behind, in, in particular context of like slavery, of you can't hold this debt over somebody for more than seven years. When Jesus comes in, his first thing to say is, I'm announcing the year of Jubilee, mm-hmm. which is this time where all debts, all are, debts canceled. are canceled. Everything goes back to where it is. And it's this context and all of Paul and all of them, when he's writing epistles, he's drawing on all that knowledge. Yeah. That when when I'm saying we're living in a new age, the new age is the one where all debts are canceled and our, all slaves are released, mm. all prisoners are released. Mm. That foreigners are able to be a part of the citizen of this nation. That all of these things that would happen at this time. And so anyway, all that to say, we, and the, I think the hard part for us is, well, if it's a story, what does that mean to me? Just as Jesus was fulfilling a part of Israel's story and all these things that had come before. He invites us to be 
a new Israel, and that we are to relive this story in every every relationship we have, that we are reliving. We can finally do what in the Old Testament the nation of Israel never did. Jesus himself did do. And in new creation at the end of time, we will do forever perfectly. Yes. That I even thought that on Sunday with the, the video I played, which that came from the Bible Project. I had someone ask me where that came from, the Bible Project, which I think they do a great job of bringing that idea to everything they talk about is that it's yeah. one story, one story. Yeah. over and over again. It's one story. And that idea that even is hard for us to get at times is that Jesus is the center point of this story, and he's leading us to the kind of finishing point of the story. And we're supposed to meet in the middle of this, that all those values of human dignity and God loving everyone, that we're supposed to find out how to be a part of that story in our context. Yeah. In America, with the COVID <laughs> virus, <laughs> with the, the whatever you believe about politics, not, and as you already said this, not what do my politics demand, but what does love demand? And not love based on what I think love is. Love based on what Jesus love says is love is. me self-sacrificing yeah. for the good of another person. Right. Yes. And it's based on this bigger story. It's all a part of it. And so I think... I think all of that is so important to us, even as American Christians, when we think, and this may get to our next question, so this might be a segue. Okay. When I look at the New Testament letters, and I'm really just looking for verses I've heard of before, and I go, oh, there's a thing about I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to apply that to my football team, or I'm going to apply that to whatever, and not realize they're a part of a bigger story. Not really want to see that Paul was saying, you can be happy in every circumstance, even if you're starving. Yeah. Which yes. is what... That's the context. I mean, if you're in prison and you're starving. Even if you have to it's be self-quarantined. Okay. <laughs> you can right? do that. You can yes. do that. I've done it. You yeah. can do that. You can I'm do doing that. it right now. Hey, I I'll got say. beaten several times. I did that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And so that's, I think, and so that kind of gets to our next thing. It does. The next one is about a question. So. Yes. All right. Uh, and this one shouldn't take too long. Uh, I think we can get at this pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know. We said we could get the slavery thing done. Joel, how long did it take us to do the slavery no. question? Okay, good. 20 minutes. I that think, was well, a concise 20-minute answer. That's right. We thought we could do that. When we, when we post the clip, it'll be shorter than that. <laughs> okay. Trust me. We answered Jason's going to edit out anything <laughs> Ed or I said. Well, it's just going to be That's Jason. why it's going to be better. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the second question, hopefully quicker. Um, <laughs> uh, the question asks, in Ephesians, and I'm going to read the passage in just a moment, uh, it says in Ephesians, it talks about there being one baptism. And they want to know, what does that phrase mean? And can is it mean that people cannot be baptized more than once? I'll read the context of the uh, passage that they're talking about. Paul says this, he says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. That's the passage. So does that mean that, that one baptism, that you can't get baptized more than once? No. He, he's not trying to talk about it's that. not what he's no, talking he's about. He's not trying to talk about that. No. In fact, I, I thought it was interesting, if you read it in context, he, he first his first statement to the, the church he's writing to is, you guys need to be united. You need to be one, just like 
God, your faith, baptism, there is one of those. All y'all need to be one body and one together. So he's not making a statement on the frequency of how many times you do baptism. He's talking about the truth of there is a baptism and there is a, a body of Christ and there is all of one these Lord, things. All of one these Lord, things are one Lord, all of these things have unity. Therefore, you must have and unity. And then he goes on in that passage and he talks about, you know, he did give gifts to the church. And so those right. di- gifts are diverse. Those are different. But... They were for building up the one, one body, body, not to build up the people with yes. the gifts. They were the purpose of those was to build up the, the one body. Uh, we said off camera again. I I really believe if you just take all of Paul's letters, Paul really is addressing one problem multiple times. He's saying, "Y'all get along. Why Quit can't fighting. y'all? Why can't y'all get along? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus has broken down every wall. All mm. the reasons you had to be divided are gone. Yes. Why quit in? Quite inventing reasons to be upset with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which the church has done a horrible job of, especially in in this part of our country, I think, over the years of being one. Oh yeah. I think I think totally. And you know, I've 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 been a part of some conversations over reconciliation and, and in particular racial reconciliation. And one one conversation that caught, kept getting brought up a lot was why so often in the church is racial reconciliation and reconciliation of any kind. And reconciliation, I realize that's kind of a big word that not everyone may use a lot uh, of of literally reconciling, bringing together something that was broken, bringing Mm -hmm. it together, uniting it. And so in in particular, why is that often considered a sub-point of the gospel, whereas like my personal salvation, I get to go to heaven when I die, becomes that's what the gospel is. Everything else is kind of... And I heard uh, somebody say in one of the conversations uh, that just straight up said it's, they have a bad theology. They have a bad, a bad point of view on it that's central to it is that, and Paul says this in another letter, uh, that what Christ was doing was reconciling all things, mm-hmm. all things to God, bringing all things back to himself. And then he says... And so Christ has given you the ministry of reconciliation mm-hmm. and, and, and that you, we are supposed to be going out as Christ's ambassadors, that we do this whole ministry, that it is central. And so everything Paul's writing about is Jesus prays uh, at, the, at the end of his life before he's to be crucified. His number one place, may, may they be one, his followers be one, just as Jesus and the Father are one. And that's his central thing. So everything Paul does, everything Peter's doing, everything James, all these guys who are writing letters is they're consistently saying James goes at rich and poor at one point in his letter. Paul consistently is going at racial things of Jew and Gentile, barbarian, which is what the Romans called anyone who did not speak their language. Anyone who was not Roman, they considered uh, a barbarian because it sounded like they were saying bar, 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 bar. So they called them a name. And so he's saying, there is none of this. We're all one. And in fact, it may be Colossians where he uses baptism as the thing. He said, we were all baptized Baptized into into Christ Jesus. Mm So I think that's huge in everything we read even in the book of Romans, which a lot of us look at as just this big central thing about faith, even that was addressed to, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, there's yeah. a big thing out now. There's a book that I uh, have been reading through slowly uh, called Reading Romans Backwards. Mm. And if you start at the back of the book where the, all those lists of people that we see, you can 
get the idea. Paul's clearly addressing those people. He hasn't met any of them yet, but he's heard through people about mm-hmm. these things. And there are slaves and free, there's rich and poor, there's, you know, there's Gentiles and Jews. And once you get that, that's who he's addressing. And then you read back before that and he says, so those of you weak, don't look down on those important. You get all the way back. He's going, hey, it all goes back to this theology. There's no Jew nor Gentile. We're all condemned. We're all one in Christ. But he's getting back to those personal problems that exist in the church. Even to the point, is it, uh, maybe it's Colossians, it's Philippians, where he just calls out the two women. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite passages where he <laughs> tries to go in and he says, look, if there's any compassion in you, y'all, you know, uh, have the same mind as in Christ who gave, mm-hmm. made himself nothing. Then at one point, I think it's Philippians where he just says, hey, there's these two women. They're fighting. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all just stop it. He just yeah. names them. I just say, you, I've heard about you two. Stop Isn't that it. great? You get your name in the Bible and it's because of that. <laughs> yeah, you, yes, were, you exactly. were arguing and he just calls you out. Yeah. Well, so. And even in Romans, when you talk about it, Romans begins because, and we learn about this in the book of Acts, that, that um, the Roman emperor at the time, I think it's Claudius, expels all the Jews from Rome. And so Christianity starts with Jewish Christians at the beginning. And so the church in Rome isn't started by Paul. It's started by Jewish Christians. They get a bunch of Romans into the church. They all leave. When the Jewish Christians come back, the church isn't doing any of the stuff that they wanted. And they're having racial kind of thing. This yeah. isn't the, you know, in our culture, this isn't the kind of music I like, or yeah. this isn't the kind of thing. They're just having these kind of things. And so Paul has to write into it and go, stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, and Romans doesn't have all that, but you can learn all that from the, the context. And so to the point we're trying to make, that's clear in all the writings is, and you said this earlier, how do I live out Jesus' command? Jesus didn't directly address what's going to happen when Claudius expels all the Jews, but they understood if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, this is what it looks like. Exactly. And off camera, Jason, you, you, not everybody will understand what the prayer in John 17 is about. So tell them how what Jesus asked for, Paul's consistently going at. You know, in John 17, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, Jesus' final prayer was, he said, Father, make them one. I want them all to be united. And then, as we just said, he's constantly hammering that point yeah. over yeah. and over and over again. And we've done, a, again, a really bad job of, of being the answer to that prayer. Yeah. Yes. Jesus just says, you know, if they do this, the whole world will know that you sent me, Father. Exactly. Yeah. And I just, if they I, do as it. I said off camera, I just said, I think that's the devil goes, oh, that's mm. what's yeah. going to happen. I'm going to hit them right there. So I'm just going to keep them in turmoil so they don't like each other. Mm. We'll let them think about their own personal salvation, but not about the fact they were supposed to be reconciled mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, this I had a, I had a good transition, but you 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 moved on from it, so I'm gonna have to go uh, back right. to it. Okay, let's go back to the transition. Go back to the transition. So everyone transport back. That's right. In time. So I'm gonna go back, and we want to talk about Sunday. Um, you know, we talked about uh, in the we, in this two week little series you did for us about how to reach the good life. Discipleship is what you introduced to us yep. on Sunday, and what that looks like. But the, the the key that I think is important to talk about that was really the revolutionary thing for me when I finally got it was, uh, let's talk about how you, the three of us, because I know we've all had to do this, the switch we've had to make in our own minds and our own hearts because we started out probably on our journeys of seeing the gospel and what it came to bring as, well, it's a free ticket to heaven when I die. And that was what I grew up with. And, and there is an element of that, of course, uh, but that's not primarily what Jesus walked around saying. No. Jesus came bringing the kingdom of God, which he said begins right now. It is here. It is among you. And it is eternal life. 
and eternal life is now, and it begins now, and and all of that stuff. Let's talk about the switch we had to make, and how why is that so important that we make that switch, and what are the implications of that to understanding what Jesus came to bring? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start. You, since you taught, I'm yeah. gonna let you start. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know exactly when it all began for me, but I do know that I had a huge dissatisfaction throughout high school. Uh, I've been I've been in church my whole life. I've been in this church my entire life. And somewhere around high school, that particular slant of it's real, you know, the way I viewed it as it's just a ticket to heaven, the the kind of seams on that kind of started to come apart and I was like, I don't why? Why is that? Why is that even worth my time? And you know, trying to trying to get through that. And I even had a friend who was a friend of mine in high school who recently uh, I saw posted something, and they said my entire childhood was. I was told over and over again, you need to go out and you need to save people because they're gonna they're gonna go to hell or they'll they'll get to go to heaven if they do this right. But there was no. They did not understand at least how any of that applied to anything now. So I got to do this when I'm 15 and then live 80 years, mm. mostly miserable. And then mm. one day I get to do a thing. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty s- striking criticism that I certainly felt a lot of towards the end of my, my high school years and even into college. And um, then getting to college and having these moments where I have a lot of people I know have had too of, I go into college classes with Sunday school kind of answers to big questions, having professors, and this is my nature. I tried to debate professors <laughs> on the things in class, but this is also my nature. Once they ridiculed me for, and I mean, just tore me down because I had bad answers. That's just true. I had bad answers. <laughs> not that not that they were right. My answers just were not good. And they tore them down. And I was so humiliated by having been publicly torn down. I started to think, well, then none of this None of this can be real, and certainly if all I'm waiting for is to get that, this isn't worthwhile. Luckily, coming through a point in my life where uh, I was able to talk to people about it and be able to understand other reasons and the real reasons that have been kind of the foundation of my faith, and then on top of that, discovering this idea that the kingdom of heaven starts now or that it started before I was even here, Mm -hmm. and I get to step into this reality and it does make my life here better and and more meaningful and more there's there's satisfaction in this life in that way and then it's going to continue forever well that changed everything for me mm-hmm. so if the question is how does it change it changed it changed everything about how i saw everything i thought the primary reason to evangelize or to share my faith with other people was about something that would not affect them until 70, 80 years. And as everyone eventually would say is, so why can't I just make that decision when I'm about to die? Yeah. Which is inevitably the question most or people come Or you have the other theology, which some people teach of, get the ticket when you're 15, mm-hmm. live any way you want to. That's right. Because That's right. how you live doesn't matter because, dude, you got the ticket. You, the t- you mm-hmm. prayed the prayer, you got water mm-hmm. on you, whatever. Mm-hmm. Once you have the ticket, what happens in this world just mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And then eventually understanding that what I'm doing in this life is training me for the next life, making me the kind of person who would actually enjoy heaven, mm. which is just totally a flip of the whole thing. Because I had someone mm-hmm. ask, ask me a question this week about just that idea of, so what about the afterlife? Does that not even matter? And I said, 
I believe the best way to prepare someone for their afterlife is to be a disciple of Jesus right now. Yeah. That there, there, there's, a, there's a huge possibility that I will continue in paths that will make me the kind of person that, that eventually I'm going to have to reckon with a lot of these things anyway. And well, as I've tried to explain to my daughters and students over and over again of whether God sends anyone to hell— the question, God wants, and we've said this before, God wants everyone in heaven who could possibly stand it. There are many people who, in most of my life, I was probably this person of, I just don't really want God's kingdom. I don't mm-hmm. want to live with him as king. And so God's not going to force me into his kingdom where I'd be miserable. And mm-hmm. so that change has been the biggest change for me. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly when it happened, but somewhere in all of that mm-hmm. searching, I came upon it. Yeah, me too. It was a gradual thing, and I, the, the thought that came to my mind when you, as you were talking, was the way the gospel was uh, presented to me uh, growing up, uh, which the word means good news. Right. It, it meant, and so I, I never thought of it this way, but the, the one that was presented to me was sort of good news. But the only way that it was truly good news is if I was completely miserable here. In fact, the more miserable mm, that I became sure. as a Christian in this world made the good news of heaven that much better. And and the funny thing is, is I read the life of Jesus, and the more I read it, he wasn't miserable. Mm-mm. And he wasn't getting more and more weary with this world so that he was trying to escape, which is basically the gospel that I was, I was taught is if you are a good Christian, you're going to get more and more miserable and more and more about this world and, and you're going to hate it and it's going to get just to where you can't stand it anymore and then then you'll finally get your ticket out right instead right. of Jesus coming along and saying no it's going to be life abundant and it's going to be filled with joy and with love and with compassion and you know and community with people that just grows and gets sweeter and sweeter and then and it just keeps on moving and mm-hmm. that to me that that's a fuller version of good news rather than the one I was handed. And and that's the one I've been trying to live in these past few years. Yeah. I certainly, you know, spent too much time teaching the other one, living the other one. It was the one I certainly came to know of, hey, it's a ticket out of here. And, and having lived a life where I was miserable and it ruined my life, it was good news for me in the moment. And so I thought, oh, I see that. And, you know, then the longer you spend with Jesus and your life really does begin to get better. It's just the nature of grace. Mm-hmm. If you allow him to, yeah. he really does begin to bless your life as you walk in his ways. And uh, I could see my life was better, and I didn't have this hatred for the world, and I didn't mm-hmm. have... And my gospel only w- really worked very well with people who were miserable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. It worked, mm-hmm. it worked with addicts. Mm-hmm. It worked with people in broken homes. It worked with people that... They had lots of problems. If everything was pretty good in this world for them, yeah. honestly, Jesus didn't have much to offer mm. except when they go to heaven, when they die, which for most of them, they think, well, I'll take care of that mm-hmm. just before yeah. I die because seems like I got this life pretty well figured out. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, once you begin to understand, even in those situations where you have things pretty, there are stress fractures. There are things yeah. people have going mm-hmm. on that they're not exceptionally happy about. They just sort of accept it as the cost of what they have to do in this world. Yes. Jesus could speak to that as well. And once I began to understand that and see it in my life, that I didn't just have to suffer being good to some degree. And there are parts of my life that I hated and I knew Jesus hated. And 
I could lament about them and repent of them, but they didn't really get better because I didn't allow the kingdom to work in those areas of my life. Mm -hmm. I was not mm. willing to allow the kingdom of God to apply in that area of my life. Once I opened it up and I go, oh, look, the kingdom works there too. Mm. And it was actually good news now. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole thing when you actually, the more you read the Bible and you read it not reading into it, but you see the pictures there, the idea that one day we're getting out here and that we're going to all go to heaven, the <laughs> last picture in the Bible is heaven coming here. Coming here. Yes. I just keep thinking there are going to be a lot of us really disappointed when yeah. Jesus comes and the dead go to rise to meet him. But they have this idea that then they just make a big U-turn and go somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. this, this idea we're all going to get raptured out and yeah. it's going to... No, the picture in Revelation is, and then the city comes down. That's right. And uh, this gets restored. We start with a garden, we end with a garden, and it's all the same place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not about get us out here. It's about getting that down here. Yeah. And we can do that. We can do that in ways now. Are we going to ever fully get there? No, because... Not everyone's going to decide to walk the yes. kingdom way, yeah. which should be to our shame, not just because they don't go to heaven, but because they, missed they, out. they miss out on what their life could yeah. have been. Mm -hmm. I remember when I, that's, I don't remember the moment, but I can remember that when the switch got made in my mind and, I, and I, I've been reading the Bible my whole life. And when that thing about, you know, the kingdom or the or, or heaven being this ethereal Yes. It's only spiritual, kind of up there, nebulous kind of thing. You know, when that changed to be, no, 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 heaven's going to be this world made right. Right. It 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 resolved a lot of stuff in me mm -hmm. that was not, it was that was really struggling because you know I've always been told you know don't be conformed to this world. You got to not not love this world. And and but there was always a part of me that was like, but but this is so good, God. Look at what God made, and, and when you would glimpse those moments of beauty and, and even the, the human relationships that we have and all this good stuff that God gave us, and it's like there's something about that that is, that is beautiful and, and wonderful that God made, and, and then you start to be made to feel bad for thinking yeah. that way. Well, then when that all came clear to me, it was like, no, 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 that's, that's just a taste of what it's going to be. Just imagine when God's going to take that that you love, and he's going to redeem it. Yeah, you still are going to get that. Yep. But he's going to redeem it and 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 put it in its rightful place. That changed everything about the way that I follow him. Yep. The way that I see my life now, and the way that I look to my eternity, because my eternity was always looked to this. I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm kind of scared of it. Right. Because this is what I know. Right. And, and why? It's why. And I've said this on this podcast, and I. I, it's from James Bryan Smith, but I say it to myself all the time, and it has become a mantra for me in moments of stress to remind myself. Hopefully, eventually, it'll get so deep I won't have to say it. Of, mm -hmm. I exist in an eternal kingdom mm -hmm. right now, not mm -hmm. one day. I currently exist in an eternal kingdom. That kingdom is not in danger, and neither am I. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think Paul lived in that. I think when we see Paul saying, I don't know whether to go to be with Jesus or to stay here. Yeah. And it really wasn't a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. He really thought both of them were good. Yes. He mm -hmm. he was totally enjoying what he was doing here, even though he's been beaten and he's in prison. <laughs> and he was going, well, this is good. Mm -hmm. I know this is really good, but this is really good too mm -hmm. because he existed in this kingdom. The, the barrier between the kingdom and what he saw as the culture of the world got thin for him mm -hmm. and yeah. he could live in it. That's where I'm trying to get that in the moment – 
I'm just in the kingdom and the stuff that's going around. I'm a kingdom bringer. Wherever I go, uh, the kingdom exists. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of where the where the hang up or at least the wall is for many of us is even hearing you talk about kind of heaven and the way that we we all viewed it. I think most of us viewed it before is so disembodied. Yeah. And what I mean is we we have by and large, and it's been the prop, one of the biggest problems from the beginning of Christianity. We've talked about four of the the doctrine of Gnosticism that there were these mm-hmm. believers that believed Jesus wasn't uh, embodied; he was just kind of a spirit on earth because they believed anything fleshly was worldly and sinful. And and but Jesus was fully God, fully man. He was a physical being, uh, flesh and blood. And we very much in the West, in in, in kind of American and European Christianity. Uh, we don't elevate our soul as much as we elevate our mind. That we think almost everything is there are things I got to know, there are things I got to believe, and most of the things are I'm going to have the right kind of doctrines, and I'm going to have to do certain things. But almost all of that happens in my mind. And I even heard someone say the other day of, and this is someone that I loved, and I, I did just talk to them afterwards about it. They were explaining to children the idea of, you know, the real you is your soul. Your body's just a shell, mm. and the, the soul is what gets to go be with Jesus. Mm. And I had to, I just kind of said, hey, and that's fine, but I, I certainly don't want children to start to believe that there's something not right about their body. That's right. You know, Jesus said, and even, once again, making it the whole story back in Deuteronomy, they said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, that's and that's body. your mm-hmm. body, the way yeah. that you act, that there's... In embodiment, that may seem so silly, but even in uh, to this conversation, that's been a huge point to me of understanding that that it may the kingdom may first exist as a mental thought for me, but there is an embodiment to it, not just in my actions, but in in the way that I treat my body and your body and this planet and everything around me. That there's a physical nature to God and Jesus totally embodied that when he was on earth i mean literally. even his healings yeah yeah literally, literally right uh, but even in his healings and feeding people that there's this nature of jesus saying your physical needs matter these kind of things matter and the more that we make it a it's what i believe and it exists in my mind it takes away from that and i heard just recently and i think this was dallas willard as well talking about character and once again character we think is something that exists in my mind and he said character exists in your body mm-hmm. character is what you do without thinking about it and he mm-hmm. tells us that he, he talks about you know in their minds all the disciples said we'll never run from you when you are uh when you are you know being crucified basically yeah. you know when when they come to get you we'll never run and he said their no, character was shown when they ran because their character was in their legs that's right physically they mm-hmm. had trained their bodies when danger comes i run and you know and that seems almost silly to say the character was, but i think there's a truth to that of there are things our bodies do without noticing it and one for me was when i was in tense situations where i had to to confront somebody my heart rate would go up I would, I, would, I would have this kind of shake to my voice. I didn't want to do it. I would often then not do it because I didn't want to. And what I've learned is the more I've trusted there's truth I need to speak, and, th- and this may seem bizarre, my heart no longer quickens. Hmm. I, I feel a calmness about me when I sit, and my posture changes, and th- I feel myself going, I need to say this, so I'm going to. My character, and there's something physically about me that changes and what used to be uncomfortable becomes natural now in a yeah. way 
And I think that's the part that we miss when we make it just about heaven. Uh, one yeah. day I won't be so nervous. And, and this, Maybe you don't have to be now. <laughs> and this may be way, way deeper than anybody wants to go. But, the, you know, the kingdom, what you're describing is the kingdom invading our bodies. Right. And being able to physically feel it. Yes. So as the scripture would talk about manifesting it, that I, I know, I, I and, and I don't into reality. I don't. I don't know how deep you, you want to get into that. <laughs> Go. I have had those moments. Yes. And I can't. I can barely talk about it. But then I think of one of the most recent ones. There are these moments where my physical body. I feel a change. I feel a, a presence of God that I haven't felt before. Yes. I feel I feel this love that I've never felt before yes. and and I don't and, and I can't I don't know where it comes from. I can't even reproduce it. I remember the last time it happened, I'm like, "Oh, this is great. I want to do that again." And then I I try to be alone with God and I try to pray into it again and it never happens and I get all disappointed, but there are those moments. Yes. You know, and and I just I, like I said, I can't even hardly talk about it. Because yeah. there's not many words that I have that'll describe what it is. Yeah, they they really are holy kind of moments, and for me, they have always happened to. The more I'm willing to live in the kingdom, the more often they happen. But I True. can't make them happen. No, you can't. I, I haven't gotten maybe a, maybe one day. You know, I hope to be a better old man than I am now. I I was thinking Sunday when you were talking, you said. Uh, getting older doesn't fix anything. You're right. It yeah. just makes you old, yeah. and and it sets you like concrete. I have mm-hmm. seen so many people, and you do lose some of the ability to not allow your character to show. Mm-hmm. We have ability when we say young. that again. There's a, there's an ability we have at times where when you're younger, that by sheer force of will, you can keep from saying things to people when they irritate you just by, mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. now you may explode four seconds later. Yeah. What I have noticed with old people who never get to the place that they don't want to, they don't want to feel those things. They don't want to think those things. Mm-hmm. They don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be angry. You know, you use mm-hmm. that example mm-hmm. Sunday. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be lustful. I, I've been in enough old people's homes to see that, oh, they no longer have the ability to control the character that winds up coming out. So they're just angry. They're just really mm-hmm. rude to people, and people make allowances for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I get it, and that's kind. I just don't want to be the guy who the last 10 years of his life, people are going, ah, you should have known just him. just how he is. Yeah, you just don't. I, just, I want to be the guy that people go... And I, I've said this to people before, and I know it's not true. And I'm not saying bad things about anybody else. My mom was just, she was an unusual person. Um, and even as she got to the place she couldn't control, she didn't have all of her thoughts. She was never not kind to anybody because she had so long embodied it's yes. being kind. Trained herself. She, she just, never had to think about being she, kind. Kind was just a part of who she was. She was just a kind, gentle woman, even when she got to the place. And I terrified her. I was, I mean, she was a little lady, and I was a great big dude. She didn't remember me anymore, and it, you could see she was terrified. She was still trying to be nice to me. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel great when your mom doesn't know you, and she's trying to be nice because she, you know, you know what I mean? Sure. But... I could just see it. She, that's. I want to be the place where, 
once even I can't control everything, I'm not the guy who has exploded mm -hmm. at people because mm -hmm. I can't control it anymore. Well, and to some degree, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the beauty of, of to get to kind of our discipleship program, but not even just our program. Any, any believer who takes, and that's, that's the part I just really wanted to hammer home Sundays. We have this discipleship program. That's our plan to make this work. We want you involved in it. But any believer who takes Jesus seriously enough to say, I'm going to figure out how to do what he said, because I lived most of my life. And I, I've been teaching students. I've had to correct leaders who have said, hey, you're never going to be perfect. And I said, well, Hold on. If what you mean by Jesus perfect, said, be perfect. Yes. Therefore. If what you mean by perfect, and this is honestly how many of us view it, so this may be a correction. Is if what you mean by perfect is I've made mistakes before, so I'm not this, mm -hmm. you know, stainless I've never had. Then you're right. I can't go back and fix those things. But what if you if what you mean is I can't do all the things Jesus taught me to do? We do a disservice to children, to students, to ourselves when we treat Jesus as if. Uh, he was a dad who said, here, run as fast as me, and he's six foot seven, and they're two foot tall. He goes, look at me! And mm -hmm. he's like, ha ha, look, you can't do this. Jesus was saying, sure, you're going to need help. You're going to need grace. Mm -hmm. I can help you with that. But any person who is willing to say, I want to stop being angry, Jesus has the answer, so whatever he says to do, I'm going to do that. I, uh, the other thing, and I can't remember who said this. I want to say Dallas because I just think all smart things he said, but <laughs> I don't think it really is him. I remember hearing that grace is the natural state God offers to the world. It was birthed in grace. So we tend to think of God has to give me grace. Grace is, it's, it's here like air. It's and when I want to access it, to live the life Jesus wants me to, it doesn't have to get poured into me like God's got a cup and he goes, okay, somebody go get the grace. Mm -hmm. It's just here. It's there for well, I taking. just have to access it to live what he asked me to do. There are no commands of Jesus that every human being isn't capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And if we would do it, the kingdom would be brought. Yes. And to, to your point there, of Jesus' analogy of how the grace enters us is not even that we have to plug into anything. He says... I'm a, I'm a vine. Uh, yeah, I'm a vine. You're the branch. You have to stay connected. You're, you, you started connected with me. You broke away. Yeah. You walked away. And I think that's important even to our discipleship of we often, and I hear people say this, I've said it before, of we treat ourselves and our bodies and our spiritual walk like we are technology. And we say things to ourselves like, I got to go to church on Sunday to recharge. Yeah. I got to recharge. But Jesus, and this isn't, I mean, this is partly just because they didn't have electricity, right, at their fingertips. But the, the language he uses is of a gardening. And he mm -hmm. says, I'm a vine, you're a branch. It's going to take daily nourishment. It's going to take moment by moment plugging in. You're not a piece of technology that you're just something to be used. Mm -hmm. and, to, and you have useful purpose. Sometimes your job is just to sit there. Mm -hmm. And to take it, you know, and, and it's daily. And the well, benefit and when, of coming together, I mean, the only command that I can think of that we have about coming together is not so I get anything. It's so I come to give. give. Yes. I come to I come to encourage you. Mm -hmm. I'm coming in. It's almost the vine knowledge. We're cross-pollinating. I'm giving mm -hmm. you something you need, mm -hmm. and you're giving me something we need. Mm -hmm. We didn't come because we had to get filled. Mm -mm. We came to share with each other. And through that, God's just so good. He just doesn't let us empty out. He well, and if grace is what you just described, it it doesn't. Run it doesn't out. go away. It, yeah. I mean, no, it, it doesn't can never run out. out. It can't yes. run out. 
That's that's that song we sing. Your, you know, your love never runs out on yep. me. You yes. know, we forget that. It's like I gotta go, like you said, go plug in and get some more of it. Well, it's it's there's love enough for the taking, man. Yes. You grab it. It's right all around you. We are being self-confessional in that because what we're saying without really saying it is, I come on Sunday, I plug into Jesus, and then I disconnect and from I disconnect. the branch. Yes. I disconnect from yeah. the branch the rest of the and time. And I go run on my own power. I go run battery. On my, I and that sucks, man. I oh. hate running on my own power. That just gets old. <laughs> yes. I do things the way I've always done them. I'm as hateful as I used to be, and people wear me out. And eventually the plugging in process gets old, too. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. That, that just that's, that's no way to live. Yes. Yep, so. And so these tools that we learn in discipleship is about transforming our character and I, once again, these, these were uh, friends of mine who were all on the video on Sunday, but, you know, Tucker talked at one point about saying uh, that he, re- he referred to the spiritual practices we do as tools. And I hear so many people refer to them as assignments, which mm-hmm. I just think it's, once again, I'm a very mm-hmm. semantics kind of guy. I think the words we use tell a lot about who we are. Mm-hmm. And we call them assignments as if I got to check it off and just get done. But he kept saying they're tools. And he said at the very beginning, you know, not everyone hits me the right way but he said if i can learn the tools they'll make me more like jesus and he's so right and then donnie at the end used the analogy of a musician learning to play Mm -hmm. and that that's exactly what it is is that i'm trying to get the character into my body so that when i'm squeezed what comes out of me is kindness i don't Mm -hmm. even have to think about it and that's what every musician i know is when you first start playing instrument you have to think about everything Mm -hmm. you sit and you go okay this fret this time what's the time signature i got to get all that but eventually and i've had this just the more i've played I don't even have to think about it. I got to walk in and ask them, what's the key signature? They start. I can figure it out by feel because it's, it's in my, and, I, in, and this may sound weird, it's in my fingers. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to, it's just yeah. in my fingers. It's in my body. I can just do it. That's what he's trying to do with moments like when we do silence activities. None of us are good at silence. But as Heidi, another friend of mine, said on Sunday, it used to be so hard, and this is true for Almost all of us, if we're brave and vulnerable enough to admit it, my brain is so chaotic and hurtful to me. Mm-hmm. If I'm quiet, I have to deal with that. Jesus wants us to get to a point where I sit and I go, this is no longer burdensome to me. It refreshes and renews me because I'm connected to the vine and I'm growing fruit. Mm-hmm. And it's now just in my body. Yeah. I don't even have to think about that's it That's so good. And I think that's central. That has been some of the biggest learning for me this time. And I know maybe, I don't know if that's, I know we've only done one we're question. Way over time. We're, we're I'm about to wrap you up. So okay. go ahead. We're say, way over time. That's been my biggest learning. We all have that. Every time we go through a new group, I learn new things that I should have done the last time. But what I'm trying to learn is that that's God's grace in me too, is that every time I'm going to learn something new, and my biggest learning now is I'm, a lot of these practices are easier for me because they're tools and I'm just getting better at them. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting better at them. That's mm-hmm. right. So um, give us one more plug for discipleship like you did on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, would, I would really encourage, no matter who you are or where you're at, even in your faith wall, even if you don't call yourself a believer, if you're not satisfied with every part of your life, I mean, every part of your life, you might be satisfied with some things. I think this is the difference in a pitch of a kingdom pitch and a gospel pitch. You may have a job that you love, and you may have a family, and you and your family are doing great. But there are moments or areas where you see, as you're talking about stress fractures, you just you feel it. If you're not satisfied with who you are and who your character is, would you give it a shot? Mm-hmm. Would you, would you uh, send us an email at help? at community-christian.net. You can just send the word disciple. 
we'll be in contact with you. We want to help you in this because we do believe Jesus is the only way to a good life right now. All right. Last thing before we sign off, uh, I wanted to give us a time to talk about this Sunday because this Sunday is kind of a big deal, um, what we're about to start. Sure. And I wanted to give Ed one more shot at telling them what we're doing. Yeah, it's a big deal in that I think, you know, there are times that we have major – the way I think about it, there are times where um, I don't want to waste an opportunity. And I think what's going on in our culture right now is presenting us with an opportunity. We've had opportunities like this before, and by we, I mean the church. And we've wasted them, frankly. And uh, I want to try to make sure – I can't do anything about the church in general. But I think the, the church that is community Christian, our little group – I just want us not to waste the opportunity, and uh, the pandemic has us focused, mm. and uh, what it's focused us on is it, it's, it's, it's shown us problems that have always existed, yep. and uh, everybody in our world has a way we're trying to solve them, and we ain't getting anything solved. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. not getting anything solved, and even Christians are leaning in to those solutions because they don't... Mm-hmm. It's the only ones we're being presented with. I just I want to call us to the to the to the solutions that have solved problems for the last two thousand years. It's what we all say that we believe. So we're going to start a series called Christians of the Age of Outrage, and it is going to be. I just don't want to I don't want to bait and switch anybody. Yeah. I we want to talk about the intersection of politics and faith, yep. and I know there are people that don't want to talk. I've I've been told never to talk about this. I'm telling you. It is everything in our world is political, and yep. everybody I'm talking to knows it. Yes. Even things they shouldn't be. We've made everything political, yeah. and everybody's mad about everything. Mm. It must not be so among us. Yes. And not just among us with each other. We must not be that way with people. Yes. We can have an impact in our culture. We can be better than we are. And... This may be my last shot to make a difference at it because I've had many other chances and have weenied out. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you uh, watch Sunday, I don't think you will see weenie out happening. No, uh, not for the next several weeks. <laughs> so uh, we're going to try our shot. I, it's, I mean, I'm, just, I'm asking you to give us grace and yeah. to listen and to understand our heart as we are for you and for our culture and for what Jesus wants. But there's going to be some things we're going to have to hear that are going to be hard. And as we've been saying, whatever side of the political aisle you fall on, it it's going to sting a little. Well, yeah, because the problem is the political nature. We've made everything. So yeah. it's not like there's one right side and one wrong side. That's what is wrong, that we've decided yes. that. We've made that There that is way. a way. But this is not it. Yes. And we have a way. We have said he was our he is who we are loyal to. It's it's just time to stand up and say we have to look at this differently. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's what we'll do on Sunday. So if that ain't a good enough plug for you, <laughs> I don't know what is. So. Online, we are always available. You online. will be able to find this online. We will be in person as well, but it's always available online. Unfortunately, whatever I say, it's, <laughs> it's there, forever. there forever. So, so we'll, so don't screw it up. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. We'll see you.